Hello, welcome in everybody to the Westside Sports Podcast. It is January 3rd, 2024. First off, Happy New Year to everybody. Hope everyone is having a great start to, to the new year. And uh, today's podcast is going to, we're going to get back to the OG roots. I got a lot of stats for you guys today. Um, a lot of the stuff that we're going we're to tear apart this Pittsburgh Seahawks game, my takeaways, insights, opinions, ideas, stuff like that. But first of all, welcome to the show. And uh, as always, I am your host, Dakota Ezri. Welcome into today's podcast. Um, first of all, just a huge, massive, colossal thank you to everybody who's listened to this podcast from the beginning last year. Whenever you tune in, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. This podcast has been such a fun project for me to take on in my spare time. And I'm really thankful that you guys as my audience has really tuned in and taken a liking to it. So I uh, just wanted to say just a brief thank you and with that. And with that being said, we're going to get straight into this mess. And going to give a heads up, um, there's going to be no F-bombs. There's going to be a little colorful language today because I want to get some points across. And Some people have been asking me why there's been more colorful language inside the podcast and I'm, in, I'm including this because I feel like you guys are wanting in a larger slice of the pie, right, of the pie chart. They want the real raw emotion. They don't want the filtered, holding back, not saying everything. Because if I'm hopping on this microphone, I think people want to hear what I have to say. So I'm going to say what I have to say. First of all, Seahawks, man, you know, I look at this team. When the season started and I said, got a lot of potential. If our, if the draft class, and it was so much, you know, you know, wishful thinking and trying to dream of yesteryear to become this year with our draft class last year of Charles Cross and Abe Lucas and how we were able to just make these imprints and these waves across the NFL. We were getting recognition from, from the NFL Network and Bucky Brooks and... Uh, Mel Kiper and Todd McShay and all the guys, right? Lewis Riddick. All these guys, the big honchos are like, dude, Seattle's freaking killing these classes year after year after year. And I was excited with the draft class. I, lo- I love Jackson Smith and Jigba. I knew nothing about Devin Weatherspoon coming into this year. To be honest with you guys, I didn't know anything. I didn't watch uh, uh, Illinois football. Right? And pardon me if my audio is going to sound a little bit off. I'm battling a cold right now so apologies if it doesn't sound 100% great I'm trying to push through it for you guys to get you guys content this week um as just a side note but we go back to the draft class right Witherspoon and Jigba good start right I love we you know we all knew what JSN did in his production at Ohio State if you watch call college football you knew if you didn't then you probably were like oh he you know heard his name blah 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 right the one name in this draft class that has been the most infuriating to me because I cannot figure out what happened was Derek Hall. Derek Hall, defensive end out of Auburn. Um, third round pick. High, high third round pick. Like, very valuable pick, right? I was hoping maybe for a center, a guard, which, I mean, we went later in the rounds, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. That this draft class was supposed to be impactful. And... It has been in some in some ways in some aspects it has been, and Jigba's been and Jigba Jackson JSN's been really good this year. 
obviously Devin Witherspoon's been arguably the best defensive player on our team. I don't know how you would argue otherwise. The only player that could have been in the same conversation, but he would have had to stay healthy, was Uchenna. And we lost him early, unfortunately. So this, when I talk about Derek Hall with the disappointments, right? I look, and I'm going to touch more on this here later on inside of today's podcast, but I wanted to get to, because some people have been asking me, what happened with the draft class? And I felt like they, how do I say this where it makes the most logical sense? They got cute. I just think they got cute a little bit. Drafting a running back with a second round pick in back-to-back years. Not getting, uh, and not addressing an edge rusher, right? Granted, they signed Draymond Jones. We had a lot of hope and anticipation about that. Uchenna got the extension in the offseason, brought in Jaron Reed, traded for Leonard Williams. This team made moves, right? They tried to make adjustments, try to make this team what they want it to be. But what they wanted this team to be was a smash mouth, efficient offense with the defense that could be complementary with uh, a decent pass rush and corners that could hold up. They were anticipating Tariq Wolin was going to grow off of his freshman year, um, which I'm 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 going to get into Tariq Wolin. I feel like I'm jumping around here for you guys. I'm sorry if I'm jumping around. There's just so much with this with this team and with this game that is like this encapsulated everything that I've seen about this team this year. The inconsistency, the ups, the downs, the roller coaster, the inability to be disciplined. The penalty boards. It's just like, what the hell was this year? What was this year for the Seahawks? It was like one step forward and like three steps back. And then you take two and a half steps forward one game and maybe one and a half steps back. So you're making progress. But it's never consistent. It wasn't. And when I'm talking about consistency, listen to these numbers, right? This is from Pittsburgh's end. Mason Rudolph was 18-24 in this game for 274 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. If you're a defense, you live with that, right? They, But we can't live with was that Mason Rudolph was only sacked one time in that game. One time. Now, where it got ugly, and it got ugly in the first quarter, and it was ugly for the remainder of this game, was the running game from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh came in here. With Najee Harris and Jalen Warden to the tune of 27 carries for Harris for 122 yards and two touchdowns. And Warren followed him with 13 carries for 75 yards and another touchdown. So, excuse me for sniffle. I'm trying not to. That is 40 carries for 197 yards and three touchdowns. What the hell is this? The last couple of weeks. All we've seen is just teams come in here and run the ball down our freaking throats. We we were stopping the run to start the year. You're trying to tell me that losing Uchenna Nuosu early of, at the beginning of, of the year, like I think it was week three, right? Sounds right. Week three or week four. That losing Uchenna stopped your ability to run your defense. That's what this tells me. Because 
When you bring in a Jaron Reed to what? Specifically stop the run. You bring in a Leonard Big Cat Williams to do what? To stop the run and bring athletic pass rush from the inside one technique. This team is, has an inability to play Seahawk football. Seahawk football is stop the run, smash mouth running game, and play action football. Simple. Right? That's what Pittsburgh did. They came into our house on the last home game of the season with the Winter Classic going on right across the street with, with, with Huskies fans prep this, this weekend was built for the Seahawks to take the mantle and run with it. Pittsburgh was going to come in here with the game plan of running the football and play action. And if, and the, if the Seahawks didn't know this, which I'm also going to get into. Then we have a larger conversation at hand. But George Pickens, damn. Damn that boys. I, I I didn't like him, be honest. I thought he was inconsistent at best. But you put up seven receptions on nine targets for 131 yards. I'm going to shut my mouth. Because you cooked us. You cooked Michael Jackson. You cooked Tariq Wolin. Devin Witherspoon did the best he could, but he's the only he's the only DB that's done anything worth a shit in this game. That's it. Why did I see more of Trey Brown? I don't know. But you look at these little like after I just listed off the stats for Pittsburgh, right? These are the stats for the Seahawks, and this is where we're gonna start really getting into the meat and potatoes of this podcast today, right? Gino. 23 of 33. And for those of you who don't want to listen to stats, scroll forward about a minute or two. Okay, just giving you a heads up. 23 of 33 for 290 yards, one touchdown, no pick. One sack. Pretty similar game to Mason Rudolph, right? QBR of 107. Ken Walker had 10 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown with a long of 13 yards on the day. Zach Charbonnet. Two carries for two yards. He had, don't worry though, he had five receptions on five targets for 30 for 39 yards. So, I mean, he was the receiving back option, but we'll get into that. That's been the, that's been the theme of today's podcast. DK Metcalf, five receptions on eight targets, 106 yards. Just continuing to, we're seeing a evolution within this offense, right? And then JSN, one cut, one catch on two targets. For 12 yards and a touchdown. Granted, the throw was incredible throw by Geno Smith. Absolute piss missile, as Dan Orlowski stated it, right? Absolute laser. Here's where we get into the best part of today's podcast, in my opinion. Takeaways. This is everything I'm seeing from this game. Things I write down throughout the course of that game. Pittsburgh, as I noted and stated earlier a few, a few minutes ago. Pittsburgh came into Lumen Field with the intention of doing one thing. Running the football with absolute conviction. Running the ball. What a novel concept. In 20, now 2024. Running the football. It's almost like it's Seahawk football. You come into a place on the road with your second string tactical quarterback. Could be third. Who the hell knows out of Pittsburgh. But you came into our field. On our turf, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, 
one of the nicest December Sundays you're going to get in Seattle, without question. It was like 50-something degrees. And you just couldn't, you, you, you refused to stop the run. I'm going to say it. This is business decisions, is what this is, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? A business decision. Najee Harris is the dream running back for Pete Carroll. He always has been, always will be. Uh, as to why we use running, you know, second round picks on Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Ken Walker is a talented running back. We all see the talent, but he's not a, run, a Seahawk running back. Let's just let's let's cut the shit straight. Be honest. Dot your I's and cross your T's. You think of Seahawk running backs. You obviously think of Marshawn. You think of Sean Alexander. You think of Chris Carson. You think of Thomas Rawls. Right? What do they all have in common besides for Sean Alexander? No due disrespect to Sean Alexander. He just wasn't with the same running style. Right? The running style was different. Marshawn, Chris Carson were known for one thing. Running you the hell over. Run through you. Run around you. Run over you. It didn't matter. Because that's what Seahawk football was. You ran the football, you had nasty guards, you had a good line, and you mauled people. That's what you did. And let's be honest, Pete, John, you got away from what you did best. You, you acquired a receiving tight end in Noah Fant, who has been a very good player for this team. Not saying he's not. But we're talking right now, this second, about identity. Identity, right? When you have... You think Pat Fryermuth gives a damn about receiving the football? No. Because he's a Pittsburgh Steeler tight end. That's what they do. Heath Miller and the crew for years. They just were road grading tight ends who contributed to to the running game. And booted out to catch a play-action bootleg roll because the defense was biting on the run. This team, I, this has been one of the most frustrating years I can ever think of watching Seahawk football. Even with the ups and the downs of Russell and Russell's bullshit. I, I mean, it's this year has been tough. It has been. I'm not going to sure coat. Not going to put pop, pop powdered sugar on. I'm not going to do none of it. Right? What? Why do we draft running backs that aren't the prototypical Seahawk running back? And I understand eventually you have to change what you're looking for over time because athletes change, schemes change. You bring in an offensive coordinator, a different offensive coordinator who wants a different running style, who brings in a different offensive uh, lineman coach in the running game and blah, 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 right? Like, I, I understand this. I do. But we need to call a spade a spade for the fact that the Seahawks have not been able to play the kind of football that made Seahawks football get on the map with to begin with. You feel me? Run the ball. Run the damn ball. If you can't run the damn ball, then we need to have a conversation about offensive coordinator about running game scheme, about the kind of linemen we're bringing into this team, 
Because Andy Decker sent a hell of a coach, and we all saw it last year. And I, there is no way in holy hell that this is on his fault. It's not. This is going to be not a very nice thing for me to say, but this is the facts. You brought in a guard in Anthony Bradford that is way overweight to play guard. And a guard is a massive human being, right? But you can't be three. I get, I would be willing to put my money on the line that that boy weighs more than 340 pounds right now. That is way too big. Look at what you can't have a 340-pound rookie guard trying to stop Aaron Donald, who weighs 60 pounds less than him, who has probably 15%, and I'm not trying to body shame, these are just the facts, right? Who has less body fat, who is more athletic, who is quicker, who is more ability and athletic, and has the agile capability to perform the scheme. Anthony Bradford doesn't have that. He's a road grading mean kid who has a mean side to him, but has no technical finesse. Reminds me a lot of uh, Banks, Aaron Banks, who's the guard for for the Niners, right? Similar player, took him a year or two, to, and he, he had to lose weight, right? I'm not body shaming people. I'm not. These are the facts. You wonder why the Seahawks run the ball left? Because they can't run the ball right. Because you got a guard who's who's overweight. You have a right tackle, who I'm going to get into here in a second, who should have never even come back this year, who was probably pressured in some way by the organization to come back because they're desperate. Because the Logan or Logan Forsyth or Stone Forsyth, excuse me, ain't it? He's a fine backup, but he's not it. I I don't understand why. We brought back Abe Lucas when we did this year. I don't. Because he was equally as important, if not more important, than Charles Cross for this offensive line last year. And you're willing to roll the dice. You're willing to play a role with old D&D, Pete Carroll. Okay? And say that it's worth. It's, it's, it's worth and willing the risk. To bring back Abe Lucas because we don't have a capable backup right tackle. Figure it out in the draft. That's all I'm going to say for right now, okay? I'm going to leave it there because if I don't, I'm going to get real ticked, okay? And speaking of being real ticked, today, where's one person on this got the crosshairs? The absolute crosshair, and I'm going to let the fat lady proverbial sing. Tariq Wollin, you should be benched. Benched. For the for, for the last game of the season, he should have been benched. I don't know how many times this season I brought this up. But these are the facts. Tariq Wollin, you stood there. Literally stood there and watched. Like a pitiful, pathetic weenie. While your boys, the guys that you consider your brothers on the football field, are actually trying to stop Najee Harris. But you stand there like a daisy in the wind on a summer day and say, I'm good. I'm good. 
I don't want I don't want I don't want the smoke because you want to why because Najee Harris laid his ass out because he's weak soft thin Tariq Woolen you know what you've been good for this year putting the hands in the face for illegal contact that's all you've done this year and if somebody thinks I'm wrong I dare you come on me try and tell me I'm wrong but you better bring your facts because what I've seen this year is a proven fact that Tariq Wollin doesn't give a shit about tackling, about playing actual defense, about following the scheme that Pete Carroll and Clint Hurd have worked their freaking asses off for. But you just want to stand there on a goal line stand and watch a 230-pound running back who took you to the watering hole about six, seven plays beforehand. And you want to just stand there. Get get off my football field. Get off. Give me your cleats. Give me your jersey. Give me your pads. You don't touch the field in practice. You don't touch the field during this upcoming game. Period. I I and I and here's this is this is where I even this is this is where my, my cork blows. Okay? Pete Carroll won't do it. He won't do it. I don't know why. I legit, for the love of everything that is holy, do not understand why. He won't do it. But he won't. I'll bench him for a series. He'll get the point. This might be one of the hottest takes in the history of my podcast. Pete Carroll, you, you are the reason why the problems on this team continue to prosper, to grow, to evolve. I said it. I said it with my whole chest because I believe it. Because I've watched Seahawks. I've watched every damn game in this Pete Carroll and tenure, right? In this 15 plus years he's been with his organization. And I know he's on contract through 2025. Plus. But enough is enough. I've watched a Seahawk team that has no discipline. That has no moxie. That has no ability to play the game that brought this franchise back on the map. And that all comes down to Pete. It is. It's all Pete. It's the same conversation that's going on in New England with Bill Belichick. The same conversation that was going on for a minute in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin. You know the difference is? Mike Tomlin coached his team to go into our, to our field on Sunday and say, I don't give a damn. What we do on Sunday, boys. We can lose this game. But we will lose this game running the football. And that's what they did. They actually did what the coach preached. Now, for you guys who have been watching and noticing, I'm bringing this up for a reason. Because Pete Carroll's teams have been unable to walk the walk. Talk the talk. Back up the back up the smack talk. 
That's that's that the facts that this team, this organization that I love so much, that I look forward to watching every Sunday or Monday or even a damn Thursday has not been the same team. And the fact that we had our pull our pants pulled down, our white ass cheeks spanked and shown to the world, it's the last straw for me. It is. There's going to be overhaul. There's going to be changes this year. There better be. I know Jody Allen's one hell of a businesswoman. She's watching. She's seen everything that's happened this year. And it begs the question, where does the overhaul start and where does it end, right? I want to leave this podcast today with a couple, with one question for you guys and a fun fact that I'm going to end the podcast with today with the fun fact. And it's going to, it's going to set some people off if I haven't already. So be it, right? And what will be the last game for the 2023 Seahawks? We as fans at the end of this season have been left with more questions than answers. We look at this team and we ask, what did we accomplish this year? Will this be the last game for Pete with this organization? It's a chance. Not saying it's a high chance. Not saying I put my money on rolling on that. If it's black or red, I'm not doing it. But there is a chance that all good things come to an end. And the fact that the Seattle Seahawks were exposed in the manner and the fashion that they were on Sunday could be the last straw for Jody Allen to say it might be time to reset this franchise. Fun fact for you guys today. Okay, I know it's been the end of this. This podcast has been a little melancholy, a little down, right? But this, these are the raw, real facts, right? Do you guys know that Tyler Lockett hasn't had a receiving touchdown since September? Yeah, since September. The man who has been Mr. Reliable, Mr. Consistency, absolute clutch, week in, week out. He's due $26 million next year, ladies and gentlemen. What did the Seahawks do? If it's me, Tyler, God bless you and thank you for everything that, that, that you've done for this organization. You've been an absolute stalwart on and off the field. And it pains me to say this, but if you are unable or unwilling to adjust your contract... I don't see really much of a way that the Seahawks can justify bringing him back next year. And that's not something I, I, I pride my, I don't take fun in saying this because I love Tyler Lockett. He has been such a good quality man on and off the field, but production has to happen. And this year's production from Tyler Lockett, granted he has 800 receiving yards, right? But he has four touchdowns. And it just isn't going to cut it for next season. And with the emergence of Jackson Smith and Jigba, 
and the way this offense seems to be leaning towards a dominant DK Metcalf with with uh, JSN number two, there is going to be a legit conversation at hand that it might be the last year for Tyler Lockett in this organization. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to be today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for for for, uh, for excuse me for listening and tuning in. Apologies, I'm I pushed through. I said cold. Um, hopefully it's going away sooner than later. And then uh, I'm gonna get on here. I hope that we can get some information uh, about some moves. That would be fantastic. Get some more Mariner movement for you guys wanting Huskies. I will be having a breakdown of the Huskies game and uh, what you know the. The, the national championship, all that stuff. There's a shit ton to get into with that. And I will get to, I will get into that. This is going to be probably a, a day or two. So thank you guys so much for listening. God bless. See you guys next time.